Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the content in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. Welcome to Catholic Baltimore. My name is Father Brian Nolan. I'm a priest of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We're here to talk today about integrating spirituality and our health, bringing God into your plan for healthy living. It is the beginning of the year, and a lot of people are making resolutions or not making resolutions, but but maybe should be. And our guest today is Paul Gallagher. Paul is a regional manager for Loyola Press. He was also the DRE at a large parish in the Archdiocese of Baltimore for many years. But he's got a great story about just his own witness of integrating spirituality and health. Welcome today, Paul. Thanks, Father Brian. It's good to be with you today. We've known each other for many years, and again, you just have an incredible story how God has worked. Why don't you start and tell me about your story? Sure. So I think one of the important things is to say that I had always thought that I was taking care of my spiritual health. I had a great spiritual director, and I was working for the church. But in the busyness of working for the church, sometimes we have early mornings and late nights, and we forget to eat the proper time, and fast food is seeming to be an option many times. And when you're young, that's no problem. But when you reach a certain (laughs) age, it catches up to you. And it certainly caught up to me. And right after Easter in 2009, I wasn't feeling well. And so I went to my doctor and he did some tests. And I remember very distinctly the day that he called, it was a Friday afternoon. And he told me that I had been diagnosed with type two diabetes. And that, uh, because my mother had type two diabetes, very well managed, it didn't shock me too much. And I thought, oh, this is no, no big deal. And he wanted me to really believe that it was a big deal. It's a chronic illness and has uh, lots of consequences when you don't take care of yourself with that. So tell me what happened after that. Well, shortly thereafter, I went to the grotto in Emmitsburg, a place where I like to pray and have been praying there for many years, especially when some crisis is happening in my life. And I remember sitting there and and really feeling very anxious when I arrived there. And a great peace settled over me while I was there. And this sense that I had not been taking care of myself uh, physically like I should. And uh, so that was something that came to me is this kind of, you're, you're a great person of prayer, but yet you're not a good disciplined person as far as the, the food and also exercise. And when I left the grotto that day, I went to the, the mall, I bought a pair of walking shoes, <laughs> and I, I began walking that very afternoon in my neighborhood. And I walked twice a day, started changing my diet, and was seeing some, some results, but the big prayer component wasn't there yet. And that was something that I realized over time was essential for me, to find that integration between spirituality and health. What did, that, what did that look like in your life? Sure. So as it turned out, I went to a conference in Chicago and 
I was sitting at a dinner across from a Jesuit priest, an elderly Jesuit priest, and he began our, our conversation with, so what do you know about Ignatian spirituality? And I said, Father, I think you might be one of the first Jesuits I've ever had a conversation with. And so that kind of set the stage. We had a delightful conversation. And then the next day when at the conference, waiting for me at my chair was this little stack of books on Ignatian spirituality with a big red bow on it. And uh, it, yeah, it was, such a, it was such a neat experience. And so that afternoon, Father Lane stopped by the table and he said, you know, I've been thinking about you. And he goes, I think uh, maybe it would be good for you to make an eight-day silent retreat. And he said, just look around. I'm sure you'll find one. And I did a little investigation, and lo and behold, here in Baltimore at a retreat center, there was one coming up that summer. And so it was a very powerful experience for me during those eight days. Certainly just to be silent (laughs) was not (laughs) very easy, but it was kind of putting into place some things that I was gleaning from those books that Father Lane had given me. And so one thing led to another. And I, I left that retreat with this vision in, in my head that this was something that I could do and that this is something that the Lord wanted me to do. And so I began really in earnest walking every day, changing my diet and praying more with things like the daily examine from St. Ignatius and some other key aspects of uh, Ignatian spirituality. Can you speak just a little bit about the daily examine? What, what does that look like and how did you how did you incorporate that in your day? Sure. So I, one thing right off the bat that I, I loved about Ignatian spirituality is when St. Ignatius was writing things down in this little journal that became the spiritual exercises, he was a layperson. And so Ignatian spirituality developed as a lay spirituality. Since then, you know, the Jesuits came about and and the Jesuits certainly live out the Ignatian charism. But initially, it was for lay people, since Ignatius was a lay person. And uh, one of the things that Ignatius felt was critically important is a a daily reflection on your life and self-examination, we could say. And so the daily examine is really easy. It's simple. It's five points. One of the things I love best about it is you begin with gratitude. And, <laughs> and, you know, so often when we start our prayer, we barely say the sign of the cross and we're thinking about all the things that we need from God. I want this. I want this. I want that. Right. And But at the same time, that first point in, in the examine reminds us, wow, even if I had a bad day, I'm alive. I can see. I can hear. I can see a beautiful sunrise or a beautiful sunset or the smile of a friend. I can do the very best I can with my day, and I know that God is there with me. That is a different way of starting prayer when it really is recognizing graces and ways that God's moving in our daily life and and the fact that he does move in our life all the time if we have the eyes to see. Yes. Yeah, so so oftentimes 
we recognize God when things are going well. And, <laughs> and then we see, gosh, what happened when things are not going well? Where right. did God disappear to? And yet he's there in the midst of all of it. So first you start with gratitude and then you move to a reflection on your day and looking for points where God was very present to you and how you were responding not only to God, but to those around you and your own thoughts. And you kind of look and and say, well, here's where things went well today. And then here's where things didn't go so well. And certainly when sin is involved in those, you immediately ask for God's forgiveness for those times when you weren't the person that God called you to be. And, and then the exam ends with looking forward to the day to come. And I know for myself, one of the things that I've always thought important, and I, I share this with other people, so oftentimes as Catholics, when we've sinned, we, we wait until the sacrament of reconciliation for forgiveness from God, which is absolutely important to do and essential in our spiritual life. But so oftentimes, let's say, for instance, you and I have an argument. And in my exam, I seek the Lord's forgiveness because I wasn't a kind person to you. By looking forward to the day to come, I know that I should go and say, Father Brian, I wasn't the best person to you yesterday. I'm really sorry. And, and so there's an immediate reconciliation that occurs that I think that's a, it's really a nice way to live and a nice way to to realize that we are always called to to be holy. We're always called to reconcile. That is something about the, the daily exam. And it allows us to act, to recognize, to look within, and also to say, yeah, what do I need to do differently even tomorrow? Paul, we're going to continue with your story. We're here at Catholic Baltimore, and today we're talking about integrating spirituality into our plan of healthy living. So we'll be back in, in a moment. Uh, may God bless you. Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. In a meeting with members of the media January 15th at the Catholic Center in Baltimore, Archbishop William E. Lurie announced that the Archdiocese of Baltimore has implemented a new third-party system for reporting allegations of abuse and misconduct against bishops. The system, known as Ethics Point, routes all such complaints directly to members of the Archdiocese Independent Review Board, currently led by two retired judges. The members would then report the allegations to civil authorities and to the Apostolic Nuncio, the Pope's envoy in the United States, who is directly involved in the supervision and appointment of bishops. The announcement was made in advance of next month's summit in Rome, where the heads of the world's Episcopal conferences are due to meet with the Pope to discuss accountability for bishops who are accused of abuse, misconduct, or the mishandling of such allegations against priests and others working on behalf of the Church. Archbishop Lurie also told members of the local media that he has asked the Independent Review Board to issue an annual report to parishioners regarding the board's review of the Archdiocese's handling of abuse cases the prior year. He also announced that the Archdiocese was found to be in full compliance with mandatory child protection policies by an independent national auditing firm, which conducted its review in November 2018. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. 
More than 200 people braved the first major Baltimore area snowfall of 2019 to hear a passionate appeal from Archbishop Lurie to embrace all life at the annual Life is Beautiful Mass January 13th at the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary in Baltimore. Kimberly Fraser was on hand to accept the Culture of Life Medal of Honor in recognition of her work with pregnant mothers throughout the Archdiocese of Baltimore. Fraser, a parishioner of Church of the Resurrection in Ellicott City, first heard the calling to work with pregnant women in 2009. In 2010, she organized a bus from her parish to the National March for Life in Washington. In 2017, Fraser organized the opening of West Baltimore Pregnancy Choices, located across the street from an abortion clinic in Catonsville. For more on this story and others, visit catholicreview.org. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, this is George Matisek. Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have The Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to the Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice-a-week updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android. And follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today in print and online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. For 143 years, New Cathedral Cemetery has served the needs of the Catholic community of Baltimore and Central Maryland. New Cathedral is the only cemetery owned by the Archdiocese of Baltimore and is the final resting place for many religious orders and famous citizens. 125 acres of rolling hills, trees, and beautiful monuments, the cemetery is an oasis of peace and tranquility and is located off Edmondson Avenue just outside of Catonsville. New Cathedral is dedicated to the task of tending to the mortal remains of our dearly departed and has many more years of available space. If you are in need of a burial site, vault, monument, or marker, or just a respectful location to place your cremated loved ones, our counselors will help you through this process and make sure the wishes of you and your loved ones are honored. Visit us online at newcathedralcemetery.org, like us on Facebook at New Cathedral Cemetery Bonnie Bray, or call 410-566-7770. You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Welcome back to Catholic Baltimore. My name is Father Brian Nolan, and we're here with Paul Gallagher. He's the regional manager for Loyola Press. We're talking about integrating spirituality and health, bringing God into your plan for healthy living. Paul, you had mentioned you went on a retreat. What were some of the fruits of that retreat? The retreat took place in July, and probably the key takeaway in my discernment of the, on that retreat was that the Lord had a plan for my health. And so through prayer, I realized the importance of integrating that plan in all areas of my life. And so I, I changed my diet. I began walking a couple of times a day. But then in August, we started meeting you and I and, and several other people in a prayer group. Yeah. And yeah, one of those people was a, a lady, Nancy, 
who uh, is a trained spiritual director in Ignatian spirituality. Yes. And so you actually, all those years ago, <laughs> made the suggestion to have Nancy take me through what Ignatius would call a 19th annotation retreat, which is the spiritual exercises in everyday life. Ignatius gave three ways to give the exercises. The 20th annotation, and annotation means note. There's a series of notes at the beginning of the exercises for the director. So the 20th note is the retreat in seclusion. So it's 30 days of silence. Yes. And I myself have never made that retreat. Maybe in retirement, <laughs> I'll have the chance to be sure. gone for 30 days. But so that that is kind of the, the preeminent way to do the exercises. Now we're talking 500 years. But as we realize, certainly today, not everyone can take 30 days off. So Ignatius, in his wisdom, gave two other options. The 18th annotation is simply just giving people what they need. So it's kind of a distillation of some of the key points of Ignatian spirituality. And so that could be done on a weekend. It could be done on an eight-day silent retreat. There's a number of ways how it can be done. My The retreats that I lead now are a, a version of the 18th annotation. So it's a weekend retreat done here locally. Because at this point you've been trained as a spiritual director. Yes, yes. Right. and then actually through, well, let me, let me just mention the 19th annotation. So that's the third way to do the retreat. And it's done over 30 some weeks, usually begins in, in the fall and it ends right after Easter or around Easter. So the, the nice thing about doing it in that time frame is the Ignatian contemplations and meditations of scripture, of which there are almost 60 of them. It follows the liturgical calendar. So it's, yeah, so you're like right around Christmas time, the reflection and the contemplations are on uh, the nativity and then moving into Holy Week. Your focus is on the passion and the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ. And, and what did that look like to go over all those weeks? Are you meeting many hours? Yeah. Or are you what, what kind of obligations did you have as a, a layperson doing that, knowing you have other responsibilities? Yes. So I met with Nancy once a week. That's pretty common yes. for an hour or so. Now, I was able to meet with her physically. We were in the same place. I know people that are now doing the 19th annotation via technology like Skype or or whatever. There's lots of opportunities for phone calls. I think it's important to, from time to time, if you can't meet weekly with your spiritual director, then figure out a way how maybe once a month you're together during that time. So you met once a week and then what was your own personal prayer responsibilities to enter into that prayer experience? Every day. Uh, for the spiritual exercises, at least an hour of prayer every day. Okay. And I remember our, our friend, when I finished the exercises, we had a, a mask. And typically it's called the Gathering of Graces. And our Jesuit friend, Father Peter Ryan, celebrated that mass with us that day. And I remember just w when he made the comment, and I know Paul spent at least an hour of prayer every day. And I felt so ashamed because some days it worked sure. and some days it didn't work. But I, I tried as best I could to make it happen. But And tell me about some of the fruits and what, what did you take from that? Sure. I found that some of those practices from Ignatian spirituality, like the daily examine, were critical to my spiritual growth. 
I would also say something that Nancy asked me to do is in the exercises in the third week, right prior to the contemplation on the Last Supper, Ignatius built in what he called rules, we could call them guidelines today, for eating. So 500 years ago, Ignatius was talking about disciplined eating. And he gave some very important suggestions, I think, and a couple of them was find your mean, find the point we would say today, our satiety level. So don't eat when you're full. So don't overeat. And, and then also, when you do that very consistently, all of a sudden you realize you're choosing good food. You're choosing the right food. Ignatius didn't have to worry about fast food and all-you-can-eat buffets and right. things like sure. that. And in fact, food was hard to come by for many people during Ignatius's day. But the other element in, uh, that I thought was a wonderful little addition in those guidelines is Ignatius knew, because he knew, he knew people, sometimes you're going to go to a party and you're going to overindulge. You're going to have too much to eat, maybe too much to drink. Ignatius said, it was very important for you not to leave the table at that moment, at the end of the meal, until you made the decision what you're going to eat for your next meal. So I might have eaten too much at this meal. So then maybe tomorrow, maybe... Maybe an eating like later. Exactly. Yeah, eat eat less and not so much for your health, but as an offering to God. I see. And so there's an immediate connection with God in that particular exercise. And in fact, all of the guidelines for eating, the rules for eating. Ignatius also said that it would be important for you when you're sitting at table with other people, imagine Christ sitting at the head of the table. Yes. Pay more attention to Christ than the food that's in front of you. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the food becomes more a means of nourishment than as a means for pleasure. Yes. And so much of us eat today for pleasure. And as we know, much of the food that we eat, and whether it's a restaurant or fast food or wherever, it's been designed for pleasure, the high salt, the high fat, the high sugar, all those things that our body craves, but we know now are probably not the best for us, not probably, they're not the best for us. And that would be one of the key takeaways. So that's pretty life-changing when both you were experiencing that, not like in a crammed retreat, that was just day in and day out of saying, let me look at my diet, let me look at when I eat, that Christ is present at the table. Let me look at that sense of being able to rein in the passions if a person had experienced where, wow, I hate too much, or that, hey, I need to be more conscious of reining it in because the passions need that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've been at this now for 10 years. And so, you know, you, it just becomes ingrained into your daily living. I was leading a retreat in the fall and I introduced the rules for eating to the group who was with me. And it was fascinating at the end of that retreat on Sunday afternoon in our gathering of graces, how many people talked about one of their key takeaways as imagining Christ at the head of their table. Oh. How did it affect you health-wise? If you had to sum it up in a few sentences, how did, how did it affect you health-wise over the time? I know not everybody can do this, but for me, it was the perfect combination. And I lost 65 pounds. Oh. And, you know, my, my numbers came down to the normal range and actually to a really good, healthy range. So 
I, like I said, I regarding diabetes, diabetes, yeah, well, but but also all of all of my numbers, my blood pressure, everything, which things that weren't really high, now was right down to where they were right where they needed to be, optimal levels. You have a poll. I know there might be some people that want to hear more about this. You have a website. Can you tell our listeners your website? Sure. At the title of, of my blog, my website is making all things new so www.makingallthingsnew.com and that that website now has about 10 years worth of content on it mm-hmm. so it uh, it's a fun place to go and i think that there's something for many people there and paul we're gonna have you back next month to talk a little bit more about a book that you're working on what a great blessing today to talk about integrating spirituality and health bring God into your plan for healthy living. It's been a blessing having Paul Gallagher here. I'm Father Brian Nolan for Catholic Baltimore. May God bless you. Child abuse is not only a crime, it's also a sin. The Archdiocese of Baltimore has long made the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through rigorous training and background checks, and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese's efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org. Life can be hard, and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone. When faced with problems, know that there is a group of Catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, waiting to lift you and your needs to God in prayer. This ministry is comprised of men and women, young and old, religious and lay, from every ethnic and cultural background. They pray as individuals and in groups, in homes and meeting spaces throughout Baltimore. Like you, they are people who have suffered the same hurts, fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator who would be happy to speak with you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless us and keep us always in his love.